0: From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: Um, you know, I love dogs. And so a lot of what I tell people is, pat, head, hold, paws, And that's not to be considered, you know, patronized or anything like that. We, as leaders, have to be constantly reassuring others It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. This is going to be fine. And it's baby steps. Our job as leaders is to turn Mount Everest into a speed bump. And for many people, when they feel that sense of overwhelm, they show up to work and they cannot figure out what step they need to move forward in the right direction. We as leaders have to very gently guide them toward that.
0: That's Mary Kelly talking about the role of productive leaders We'll hear more from Mary in just a moment with more insights on productive leadership. But first, a word from our sponsors. MGMA's Medical Practice Excellence Financial Conference is an industry-leading financial management conference designed to arm healthcare professionals with the education and tools needed to run a more profitable and efficient practice. The conference will be held from March 31st through April 2nd in Atlanta. Go to mgma.com events to register today. As a healthcare organization, do you feel like processing your claims is too manual or takes too long? Or ever feel like you're just leaving claim revenue on the table? Zoll AR Boost is a real-time accounts receivable AR solution suite from Zole Data Systems that simplifies and expedites your pre-billing process. By delivering accurate, actionable data to reveal hidden coverage and drive self-pay and high deductible conversions, Zole AR Boost helps ensure that no payments are left on the table. Go to Zoldata.com slash ARBoost for more information. Our guest today is Mary Kelly. Mary is a speaker, author, executive consultant, and coach. Mary's focus is on helping executives and leaders attain their goals through leadership training, professional development, and succession planning. Mary, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Daniel, it is so great to be back with you. As you know, MGMA is a huge part of my world.
0: That is true, and you you stole my thunder. We have had you on the show again, and I had to look it up because it's kind of, uh, we're in a sort of a time warp with the pandemic and trying to get over that and move past it, but we had you back in November of two, 2019, so welcome again, and bring us up to speed because we had you there November 2019, the pandemic really hit, March 2020, we're getting out of that thing, a lot of the regulations being lifted now, so what in the world have you been up to in these past two years or so?
1: So I had time to crank out a few more books, there was one that came out on succession planning called Who Comes Next, I co-authored that with Meredith Elliott Powell, because we see the next big business practice crisis as a have you built your bench you know to watch the super bowl you look at both teams they got spare quarterbacks good thing because quarterbacks got hurt do we have those spares are we building the right bench to move forward are we matriculating the people we want to keep the
0: people we need oh that's great okay okay so um as far as your schedule and that's so cool that you've you've been able to crank out and, and develop more books put those out I know that offline we were talking about you've been a road warrior, uh, where some people have been a little reluctant to travel unless it was included a beach or something. So um, what kind of, what's your road schedule been like? What is your, just your schedule in general been like here last year to two years?
1: Well, unlike a lot of people, I never stop traveling. I take my vitamins, I take my zinc, I do all the things. But I never stopped traveling. My teams during a time of a crisis, challenge, or change, and it doesn't matter if it's a virus crisis or a challenge at work that you're having with a difficult employee or a patient or some kind of change, like let's say you did a software update and a lot of people did, it's really hard for people to migrate through those things. So one day I was mapping out on a cocktail napkin, you know, where all good ideas come from, uh, the, the six cycles of a crisis, challenge, or change. And as I wrote this out, one of my CEOs said, Ooh, I think I'm going to need that a little bit more scientifically. Can you help me out? So that became the basis for the program I've been doing the last 18 months called 657, the six stages of any crisis, challenge, or change, the five ways to lead teams through it, and then leadership reminders for us to default to. You know, a lot of times we, we default to what we were first taught, or we default to how we first learned, or we default to everything that our experience has led us to. And sometimes we just need to take that pause and say, hang on, hang on, what if I defaulted to the good? What if I just assumed that my cranky, angry patient was cranky and angry because they're just in horrible, terrible pain, and I'm the third phone call they've had today to try to get an appointment? You know, let's change our default. Because one of the things that we've all figured out these last two years is there's a lot of what we call external shocks in the world. There's things that come at us from all different directions. We can't control that, but we can control how we and our teams react.
0: Okay. How do you make that switch then? Because those defaults get kind of hardwired into our system. So how do we sort of jumpstart ourselves or develop new habits so we can make those changes? So
1: interesting you ask that you asked that. I've got a new project called Tiny Habits, Big Results, because it's those little things that matter. So think about just flossing your teeth. Should you floss your teeth? Yes. I'm religious about flossing my teeth because there was a time I dated a dentist kid. And you know, for, for my birthday, I got like this basket of collection of flavored dental floss. <laughs> I know, romance. Anyway, those little habits make a big difference. If you don't floss your teeth, you're going to lose your teeth. You know, if you don't do little things that matter, you're not going to get the big things done. So I've been trying to encourage people, hey, especially during a crisis, challenge or change, what little things are you doing that will develop you and your team into big things? What consistently are you doing? For a lot of people, the first couple of stages of this, it's a fearful stage. It's, you know, they they get very myopic. It's very much focused on me, my house, my dog, my homeschooling, my job, my new office, my my new telecommuting, whatever that looks like. And it's hard for us then to get outside of our circles. And once we show people, hey, the reason you're frustrated with your team is because they're here and you're here, all of a sudden they go, oh, and then they see it from the other person's level of volatility. So for example, Daniel, if I say, Daniel, how are you doing today? On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being absolutely fantastic, couldn't be better. Like if you won the lottery, it wouldn't matter. And one is keep Daniel away from bridges, like, you know, high overhangs are a problem. You know, where are you today, Daniel?
0: Yeah, um, well, I like to think I'm somewhere in that maybe seven range, you know, I'm not at a peak experience or anything. I'm not seeing, you know, one of the seven wonders of the world today, other than getting to interview you here, but uh, beyond. (laughs)
1: beyond That that was the right answer, of course, and thank you for that. Then as a leader, you say, okay, Daniel, what would it take to get you to an eight? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, how do I get to an eight? You don't necessarily need to get people to a 10, but if they're at a seven or an eight, you can say, what's it going to take to get you to an eight or a nine? But if somebody says, you know what, Mary, I'm a two, everything in my world stops, everything, because there's something going on and we have to be good enough as leaders to gauge when their answer is not good. And we need to say things like, is there something going on you want to strategize about? Is there something going on you want to talk through with me? Are there any resources that we have at our disposal that might help you? You know, what's, what's going on with you right now if you want to share? And I, Daniel, I figured this out when I was teaching school. You know, I taught school for forever. I taught at the Air Force Academy uh, for about 10 years. I taught at the Naval Academy. And I would sometimes look at my students and they would just be zoned out. And so I pull them aside and say, hey, is there something going on that's making you less focused in my class, which is a nice way of saying, what is it? And then the floodgates would open. So you have to respect people's privacy, but also show that empathy. And this is where I think the last two years have taught us, if nothing else, is our leaders and managers have to be empathetic, more empathetic than normal. And this is hard when we're all feeling short we're feeling like we've got a shortage of time because our family needs more of our attention, our workplace needs more of our attention. We've had to reconfigure our offices, we've redone all of our internet capabilities. We're just short on time, energy, resources, and patience at a time when the people around us probably need all of that even more.
0: That is so interesting that you said that and that is right in line. I keep hearing that again and again about that empathy, about listening, about really paying attention because As we know, in the healthcare industry, there is such an issue with the behavioral health side, with that administrative burden, with the overwork, the burnout. You're talking to practice leaders every day out there on the road and maybe on the phone or other ways as well. I wanted to ask you about that because you are a true road warrior. You were telling me offline, you're traveling, what, 20 different times or 20 different uh, like speaking engagements a month uh, at well, times. Is that right? I'm on the road,
1: to, on the road 20 days a month. This 20 March days actually, a month,
0: 20 days 20. a month. Yeah. And so you're talking to MGMA audiences. You're talking to other audiences as well. What are you hearing from them? Are there some consistent themes related to either that administrative burden, that overwork, or just Mary, I... I'm at a two today. I need some help. Give me some, give me a life preserver here. What can you do to help me, Mary? What are you hearing out there?
1: Absolutely. Uh, um, You know, I love dogs. And so a lot of what I tell people is pat head, hold paw. And that's not to be considered, you know, patronizer or anything like that. We as leaders have to be constantly reassuring others. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. This is going to be fine. And it's baby steps. Our job as leaders is to turn Mount Everest into a speed bump. And for many people, when they feel that sense of overwhelm, they show up to work and they cannot figure out what step they need to move forward in the right direction. We as leaders have to very gently guide them toward that. Before all this hit, you give somebody a project, it was gonna be an eight or 10 hour project. And they're like, yep, got it, Daniel, I'm on it. And you didn't have to worry about it. And it came back to you a day and a half later and boom, it was done. Now we have to maybe take that eight or 10 hour project and break it up into eight or 10 one hour projects. And then we have to double check. How you doing? What's going on? Is there anything you need just to keep people focused? The focus has just gone off the spectrum because it's when you're in the middle of a crisis, challenge or change, let's say you've got a family member who's sick, or maybe you're your partner, the person you live with, all of a sudden is working from home too. Now there's both of you and you don't have enough bandwidth and you don't have enough quiet space in the house. And you're also trying to homeschool and oh wait, you wake up that morning and the school's decided there's not gonna be school today because one kid in your kid's class got sick. All of these things act on us like chronic pain. It's exhausting, it's exhausting. So what we have to do as leaders is get people out of the exhaustion phase. And how we can help them with that is help guide their time so that they're protecting their time, so that they're not feeling overwhelmed, to be empathetic when they need us to be empathetic, and also encourage our people, and this sounds, I know, crazy, to delegate or outsource. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my practice managers say, Mary, you don't understand, I can't delegate or outsource because of HIPAA, because I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you need to put signs on the door that says everybody needs to wear mask and we're really sorry you want to make it funny okay outsource that you don't have to sit at a computer and design that or let's say you want to get everybody's schedules updated and you want to dump everything into an excel spreadsheet you don't have to do that you can outsource that you can get a great virtual assistant and then some people say but mary you don't understand my practice isn't going to pay for that i'm like it doesn't matter it's your job to get it done and if it's going to cost you an extra or $100 a month to outsource something, and that saves you five hours of of time a week, you do that. That's a bonus. So part of this is figuring out how we protect our scarcest resource, which is our time, at a time when everybody needs more of us. And that, to me, has been a very critical factor across all industries. As you know, I work with automotive and real estate and construction and medical, mostly linear thinkers, you know, people who think, Here's the facts, let's make a decision. So I work with people who are linear thinkers and my linear thinkers and my practice managers are part of that. There's part of them that feels and believes, and you know, feeling is a very subjective term, but they believe that if they can't do it all themselves, they're somehow failing. I'm like, no, that's not true the game has had to get stepped up. Our energy levels have had to get stepped up. We've got to be better. We've got to have more touch points. If people are working remotely, we've got to have more check-ins. Our one-on-ones have become more and more critical. That people have a question doing data entry, it's got to be able to grab us virtually, even when we're trying to homeschool our kids. And all of a sudden, you feel like you're pulled in all these directions. Delegating things and outsourcing things is not failure. It's good time management.
0: I, I love that. And I want to talk to you about that because you hit so many points there and people really have been extremely productive whether in uh, the in-office setting or as I'm doing here uh, a remote setting at home Um, but looking at it right now as we've just got into this I know people don't like the term new normal, but I mean, you know, we're doing things a little bit differently now. How do you push that off button switch? Or how do you, when you're working with groups, when you're working with individuals and, you, and you're hearing this, I'm feeling this overwhelm, I'm, I'm doing so much, I'm, I'm you're, you're helping them delegate, do other things, but how do you get the off switch where they can have a personal life too, when they're not just tied to the computer and the Zoom screen, et cetera? What What's your advice there? Because I need it. Help me.
1: (laughs) Thanks for asking. When this whole virus crisis popped up, one of the things that I developed to help my execs and my really busy leaders and managers, it's called the five, uh, I'm sorry, the 12-month business accountability and success planner. And what that allows you to do is every month, and people say, oh gosh, another thing I have to do. No. This is designed to help you save time, to get back some of that time. And every month, You look at what you have to do that month. And then you say, what are my top goals? And what do I need to resolve this month? What do I need to get rid of? What do I want to do more of? What do I want to do less of? And then you meet with your team. See, this is where I think a lot of people struggle. Like, wouldn't it be great if your goals aligned with your people's goals? Like, that would just be so great. But most of us don't do that. So how do we get everything together so that we can see it very clearly so that we're not feeling that sense of overwhelm? This is part of the 12-month planner. And at the end of every month, there's something you can do, and it's called the five-minute worksheet solutions. I've been doing them for years, but these past couple of years, we've just needed different topics, so we've provided that. And it's, what can I do in five minutes that will get my team more engaged? What can I do in, you know, this five-minute plan is designed to be short, snappy, and and meaningful right away. So how do I create a marketing plan? If I need to you know, promote my practice, how do I figure out my social media plan? What am I doing for this? And it's designed to give you quick solutions fast because our, our sense of overwhelm is real. And people who said, hey, I, I had it all together before this happened and now I just don't feel, again that word again, as though I've got it together right now. Mm-hmm. So this tool helps people get it back together and then coordinate with your team. And what I tell my folks to do, my practice managers, is sit down with your physicians and you say, folks, I just need five minutes. Five minutes, that's why we call it five minutes, but I need your full time and attention. Because, and here's the because, I don't know about how your your physicians are, but mine only want two things. Okay, three things. They want to help their patients get out of the office sooner and get paid more. Boom. And, you know, and as long as we focus on that, we say, hey, in order for you to, you know, take better care of your patients, get paid more and get out of the office sooner, I need five minutes from you. Then they go, oh, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Because you're giving them the tool they need and you say, hey, here's what I'm thinking we have as goals this month. What are your goals? So it would be really nice to know that. And then you align your goals with other people. And then the worksheets that go every month, it's just two pieces of paper that you map through the month and at the end of the month, you kind of review it and say, okay, what needs to move into next month? What has shifted? Because things are changing all the time. What worked two years ago doesn't necessarily work now. And we also have to consider the fact that we're, we're better now. People don't realize that. I say we're better, we're different. And and we've grown more. We've gotten more empathetic. We've shown more concern for other people. You remember the first time we all jumped on Zoom and somebody's, you know, cat jumped across yeah. their head and the child oh, yeah. was running around in their underwear or whatever that looked like. Everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, that's so awesome!" And now we're like, "I want to see your puppy." Oh, yeah. So we've gotten more human, and I think especially in the medical world, it's better.
0: That's so good. Okay. Well, let's be specific about uh, an upcoming. Uh session that you're going to be leading. You are going to be the opening keynote speaker at MGMA's financial conference. It's going to be held Thursday, March 31st. That's when you're speaking. The conference goes March 31st to April 2nd. It's going to be in Atlanta. For anyone that is interested in that, I will be posting a link where you can register. So tell us about your session. What's kind of that elevator pitch or whatever you want to add about it that Someone could learn from that if they are attending.
1: The Master Your World program is based on the book called Master Your World, 10 dog-inspired leadership lessons to improve productivity, profits, and communication. And some some people go, wait, dog, what does that have to do with anything? Okay, <laughs> here's the secret. It's not about the dog. These are military principles that I learned and apply them toward the business world to increase that profitability that work. But most people don't have much experience with the military. I had a lot of it. And I translated that by making a little bit of a softer cell by throwing a dog in front of it. Also a cat, if you want, that's fine too. Gerbils, turtles, parrots, throats whatever works for you. And the whole idea is how do you relate the actions and the behaviors of the people around you to get what you want? Now, that sounds like manipulation, except it's not. If you want the dog to come to you, you call the dog's name, you hold up a treat, the dog comes to you. Well... Wouldn't that be great if we did that with people? People say, well, Mary, I can't go around treating my people. Hmm. But what if you could? Like, what if instead of punishing your top workers, which we do all the time, and you know how we do it? We give them more work. We're like, wow, if I need something done, I'm going to Daniel every time. You know, that Rob guy, I don't, you know, I don't know what he's doing, but, you know, I'm going to Daniel every time. Well, all of a sudden, I'm now punishing Daniel. Hi, Rob. Bye. I just want to share some love with you. Uh, I'm punishing <laughs> Daniel for doing a great job all the time. And I'm not necessarily holding the rest of the team accountable. And that's what I'm talking about. So many times in that moment where we need something done fast, we go to our go-to person and we don't bother to hold other people accountable. So part of this is accountability. And part of it is making sure that we are consistently rewarding the behaviors. And by behaviors, again, I relate to dogs, but it's the day-to-day stuff. When people do things well, we need to reward that. We need to not punish that behavior. But paradoxically, we do because we give our great go-to people more work and we let our people who aren't getting the work done, kind of let them off the hook. So that's some of those principles. Okay. And then I add in a series of those five minute plans that are most helpful for the CFOs. And for a lot of our CFOs, it's how do you get the reports on time every month? It is a struggle for everybody. How do you coalesce the team? How do you encourage the team? How do you coordinate everything on the team so that you're getting what you need every month to get people paid, to get all the things, all the things and the stuff, all the stuff done? And it's hard. So how, so as CFOs, we have to be better. We have to be better organized. We have to have more touch points. We have to do very specific things that encourage people to do what we need them to do because it makes our life easier, but also it's our job. It's also their job. But a lot of times in a crisis situation, people prioritize their stuff, not your stuff. So how do you get people to do that? And so this is the Master Your World program.
0: I love it. Um, and I do want to do a special shout out. You mentioned Rob, and he's not mentioned enough on the podcast, but uh, Rob is uh, one of the producers of the show. And I guarantee you, if there's a go to guy, you want to go to Rob. Don't go to me. You, that was nice that you said so, Barry, but um, Rob gets stuff done. So uh, he is absolutely one of the go tos. And I wanted to add one other thing. I absolutely love that you add that dog element you are a dog person i am too i was in a leadership zoom program it's an ongoing leadership uh course that i'm taking we were in breakout rooms and they said if you were an animal what would you be and i i didn't hesitate at all i looked over they're sleeping beside me right now my two uh dogs here and i would i would be these two guys because they uh They have it pretty good. They have it pretty good. And I'm sure your dogs do too, Mary. I mean, it's just, (laughs) are they underfoot right now? (laughs) um,
1: The one is always under my desk and I have two dog beds in my office and the other one is uh, very cheerful. One of the things they learned during this time is, shh, mommy's on a podcast. So they go to their beds and they drop. I mean, it's the cutest thing ever. We've all had to adapt. And so a lot of people say, well, when we can get back to normal, when we can go back to, no, we've changed the world has changed. We will never go back to 2019 the way it was. And people lament that. And there's a lot of, they grieve for this. There's a sense of loss for this. Mm -hmm. So I try to ask the question, well, but what if it's better? What if moving forward, it's better? People say, well, how can this be? You know, this, uh, wait a second. We've had more appreciation for the medical community. We've had certain rates for reimbursements increase that's great for the medical community. We've had more people have more understanding of the necessity of a lot of the shift work. Uh, There's been, there's been a shift and some of it is better. And I think it's incumbent upon us to focus on the better because it's easy to focus on the loss, but that's where, that's what that's that myopic stage comes in. We focus on the loss. How does it affect me and my life and my job and my whatever? But if we focus externally and we say, how do we focus on our patients? How do we focus more on serving others? How do we focus on building a team that understands for the CFO conference finance better and why do I need this information and why if this piece of paper isn't here, why I need this, we have to focus on what makes it better. And you and I both know, when I started working with the MGMAs, it was ICD-10 codes, and that was super yeah, fun. Yeah, Knowing yeah, it in a yeah. macro, that was super fun. And <laughs> that, I mean, the medical community just keeps evolving.
0: It does, a lot yeah. of it is
1: out, outside of our span of control. And one of the things I'm going to share with the CFOs, again, started out as a cocktail napkin. I actually showed them the cocktail napkin because somebody said, well, Mary, how do you manage not to be a stress monkey about this whole thing? This is all love to monkeys. I just you know, use the phrase. And then more animals, I'm like, well, you got to be wa- you got to be the duck and the water is going to come down and you got to be the duck and we've all got to be ducks. We've just got to let the silliness roll off our back, focus on what's important, focus on making sure that our teams are doing what they need to do and all the other stuff doesn't matter. So, again... One of my one of my managers said, But what does this look like? So I wrote it out on a cocktail napkin and and she goes, Yeah, see, I'm I'm gonna need that. So then I sent it to my grad and then they made it a big, you know, slide. But I'm showing the CFOs that I'm like, here was the idea, and then this is what it evolved to, and it might be helpful for you. How do you let things go? One of the reasons a lot of our CFOs are successful and our practice managers is because they are so conscientious, they are so caring and so involved, but there's times to let it go. And sometimes you gotta let it go. We're all perfectionists, but sometimes you gotta let it go.
0: Oh, that's great advice. And I wanted to ask you later in this interview about other resources you have, but this is the perfect time to bring it up because it really hits on what you're talking about. I subscribe to your newsletter and I get... If I'm at that five, you know, on a certain day and then I read that and it kind of can knock me up to a six or so uh, after reading it, because there's some great leadership advice, but there's also some great just inspirational advice so like, just pick yourself up. Come on now, let's get going here. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that newsletter or any other resources you want to share there then.
1: Thanks. Anybody can sign up for the newsletter. It comes out on Tuesdays and Fridays like clockwork because all I do is write the articles and the lovely lady puts it all together and she makes sure it happens every week. Thank goodness. And I write the article every week because some of my organizations said we have weekly meetings and sometimes I just don't know what to do. And I said, oh, if, and this is how it started. I said, oh, if I sent stuff out every week, would that be helpful? And they said, yes. I said, when are your meetings? They said, Wednesday. I said, okay, I'll make the newsletter happen on Tuesday. That's how it started. And it's just continued. That's at ProductiveLeaders.com because you know who wants an unproductive leader? So ProductiveLeaders.com, you can just sign up for it. I think it gives you like a free chapter or free something just to sign up just so people feel like they're getting something right away. If the newsletter doesn't show up right away. The articles are only about 600 to 800 words. In every every single week, we have an article on a current challenge, and then we have a freebie. So it might be one of the five-minute plans. It might be my 22 for 2022 list of forecasts, what businesses can expect, what leaders need to do, what individuals need to understand, and where organizations need to focus resources, you know, things like that. But I always have some kind of extra free resource for my what's turned out to be pretty loyal folks. And I'm beyond touched about that. So, um, again, if anybody's not getting that, feel free to jump on in there. If you can't figure out how to do that or it's hard, you'd rather just email me. It's just Mary at Productive Leaders.com.
0: Yeah. And um, I will be putting a link in the uh, show notes here as well so people can access that. Give us a little sample then, give us a, a recent one, either this week's or a recent one that you feel really good about that you could share with us. It's just a good little reminder there that can kind of help people focus, pick themselves up as I was talking about it. That's how it's react, uh, the reaction I've had several times. Uh, what's a good one you wanna share with us real quick?
1: So a week ago, we came out with how to overcome self-doubt. Because if you're a great leader, you've probably got a little self-doubt going on because you're always thinking, could I do better? Could I do better? Could I do better for my people, my organization, for the people around me? Am I a good enough dad or a husband or wife or partner or spouse or whatever that looks like? We always have that little doubt of whether or not we're doing things right. And of course, anytime you're challenged with a crisis or challenge or change, you that's exacerbated. That gets increased. So some of the The self-doubt factors were making sure that once you make a decision, we all understand that you're never going to have perfect information. You've got to just make the decision based on the information you have. You do a good job of trying to find the information, but you're never going to have perfect information. It's not a perfect world. So you do the best job you can. If you have to change the decision later, you do that. Know that you are in the right place at the right time for the right people around you. And if you've got self-doubt about that, you become a little bit better. And that self-doubt is really healthy so that you hold up that mirror and say, should I be doing something differently? One of the new tools I have as well, it's called the leader's blind spot assessment. I don't know if you've taken it yet, but it's uh, it's one of the tools I'm sharing at the CFO conference as well. And it's a two-minute leader's assessment to hold up the mirror because we all have blind spots. And how this one works in particular is you take it two minutes, it's on your phone, I'll send it. To, I'll send it to you so you have it for the show notes okay. in case anybody else wants to share. You know, you you know all my resources. anybody can have anything they want. But it's the leaders blind spot assessment, and when you take it, all of a sudden it says, "Wow, Daniel, you are this, and you are great. You're great at this and this and this, and you might want to think about this and this and this." And I did it myself, and I went, "Ouch!" And those <laughs> ouch moments are the blind spots. I'm like, "Oh, I do that." So I cr- I did it, and I had ouch moments. And those are the areas that I know I need to improve. You know, we're all works in progress. And some of us think, well, gosh, you know, I've really made it. I've got this position. I'm, I've made it. But the reality is we, we're we all constant works in progress. And my executives are the toughest. Not my executive directors. Yeah, they're very easy and wonderful. But my, my senior execs of major practices, they're the hardest because they're really busy. They don't want to take the time. And... And they don't really want that mirror. So I have to do it very gently and go, here's the mirror. You might want to think about this because this is what the people around you might be seeing. And if you're doing something inadvertent that's sabotaging your success or theirs, it would be good to know.
0: All right. Well, Mary, I think that's a perfect place to stop this uh, particular podcast episode. So thank you so much for joining us again. We need to get you back on In sooner rather than later, I don't want to wait two plus years next time uh, before getting you on here again. So thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, it's so, so amazing to see you again. I cannot wait to see everybody in Atlanta. I think that's going to be amazing. I hope that people, the CFOs who go, come back to their organizations and say this. This is why we're members of this association. This was the shot the I needed. This was that you know, people come for the content and the education, but they stay in the organization for the relationships and the friendships. And my hope is to give people great, amazing contact, but also to really facilitate those relationships in a way that works for them. So I'm really excited and can't wait to be back on your podcast.
0: Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Mary Kelly. If you're interested in furthering your leadership potential and want to access Mary's tips and tools, go to productiveleaders.com. Also, thanks to MGMA's Financial Conference and to Zoll for sponsoring this week's show. Mary Kelly will be the opening keynote speaker at the Medical Practice Excellence Financial Conference, which is an industry leading financial management conference designed to arm healthcare professionals with the education and tools needed to run a more profitable and efficient practice. Mary will be kicking things off by speaking on March 31st. And the event will run from March 31st through April 2nd in Atlanta. Go to mgma.com events to register today. And as a healthcare organization, do you feel like processing your claims is too manual or takes too long? Or do you ever feel like you're just leaving claim revenue on the table? Zole AR Boost is a real-time accounts receivable solution suite from Zole Data Systems that simplifies and expedites your pre-billing process. Go to ZoleData.com slash ARBoost for more information. And if you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. If you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcasts at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening.